You're a swimmer, a cyclist, a runner. You're a triathlete. You're a conqueror of the multi-sport mentality. You seek greatness in your everyday life. But as an age grouper, your forte is the physical fitness that you strive for. Endurance is your middle name. You're listening to the Age Grouper for Life podcast, the ultimate source for living the triathlon lifestyle. Colin and Elliot will discuss the most optimal training techniques to get you where you want to be mentally and physically so you're ready to bring it. You can do it. Ready to bring it? Welcoming your host, Peak Triathlon and USAT certified coaches, Colin Cook and Elliot Kawaoka. All right. Welcome, everybody, to episode number three of Age Grouper for Life here. I am Colin Cook, and I am co-hosting this with... Elliot, and we have uh, Brian Dunn as our guest speaker today. Yeah. Hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> whoop, whoop. Yeah. I, don't, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're not recording that out, Brian. Sorry. Um, but so for those of you that don't know Brian, Brian has been in triathlon for a long time and we're actually going to hit on his mother was big into triathlon as well. So he's been around the sport for a very long time and, uh, both, I mean, uh, he's been a huge inspiration to both Elliot and I. Um, so he lives in Arizona and Scottsdale now. Um, so more in, in Elliot's neck of the woods, but, um, we met him on beginnertriathlete.com, um, which is where Elliot and I used to originally log our training, and that's actually where we got it met for the first time. And uh, we used to sit there in awe and look at uh, Brian's training logs. And you know, I remember literally looking looking at his numbers and being like, "How does he do that?" You know, and uh, um, you know, it's uh, we certainly with some time, uh, things have changed, you know, and whatnot, and uh, they're a little bit more. Uh, reasonable to me now but uh it still uh was you know just uh amazing to see and uh a huge inspiration and you know one of the few people that had actually competed in Kona um from beginner triathlete so uh you know like I said it was a huge inspiration and uh we're honored to have him as uh, a guest here and uh pick his brain a little bit um about uh, some things he's certainly not uh th- yeah we, we do we want to talk about how your experience with beginner triathlete now Brian <laughs> show picking my brain this is gonna be a really short show but yeah no, beginner triath- it's funny I mean, beginner triathlete was was the second triathlon forum i discovered back in 2006 when i first got into the sport the other one was um um try talk i think it was or i can't remember the name of it but anyway so bt was the place where i i spent most of my time and um yeah it, it was it was a lot of fun I, I met a lot of people there um you know certainly you guys included and, and others who i'm still friendly with uh, via social media, um, and uh, yeah, I learned a lot being on BT, and it was it was there were a lot of very interesting people there to to share ideas with and to learn, and uh, it just felt like triathlon and especially Ironman distance racing was really starting to ramp up and become a lot more popular than it was say maybe in the early two thousands, and uh, so as participation started to increase, social media exposure and presence and conversations began to grow. And you had an opportunity to learn from people. Um, I learned from people. Some people may have learned things from me, from the things that I did right and things that I did wrong. But it was uh, it was a good experience. I enjoyed it. And uh, unfortunately, though, I eventually did run afoul of the moderators <laughs> that, that gave me the boot. But, uh, but I think that was back in 2013. Or was it? Yeah, but, that's uh, that's what I was alluding to there. Yeah, I remember yeah. you got oh, the I boot. Know. Yeah. <laughs> And one guy asked if he should get an Iron Man tattoo, and I just suggested that maybe nobody cares what he, if he gets a tattoo or not. No big deal. But the moderators thought I was being a little too un, 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 unchristian towards him, and <laughs> they gave <laughs> me the boot. <laughs> uh, all good. People, people either loved you on there or hated you on there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Elliot, and Elliot was in both camps. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I, have a, I, I do have a tendency to sort of be a little too blunt when I try and, or, or I'm, I'm too quick to probably be a little bit too argumentative because I enjoy a good argument, to be quite yeah, honest. Sure. And, uh, but in an online forum, sometimes the 
the smile or the the teasing doesn't quite come across, and I you can just sound like a dick sometimes, and I get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nah, you know, I'd definitely call you a straight shooter on there, right? Shoot from the hip, and uh, um, you know, not afraid to voice your opinion, and uh, I guess uh, in today's you know today's society, it doesn't trash. always work out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing how much, I mean, we can talk about it later, but it's amazing how many things and how many ideas about training, nutrition, racing have come and gone, and I've done them all. And, it, and it, it's, it's, actually, it's actually interesting to look back at all of the things that we, as endurance athletes, used to hold so dear to our hearts, and we're like, oh, this is it, we found the answer, only to find out a couple years later, yeah, no, that didn't really matter. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's just so much of that that I actually like the, the world we're in now where it's, it's almost that seems like keep it simple, stupid is the right methodology that not overthinking this stuff is the mistake. And yeah. I, it's a shame that the sports is so has become so dense with information and a lot of it is sticking around, but a lot of it is, is useless, but it's, it's driving people crazy. And, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely changed a lot over the past you know eight years that I've been doing it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting, too, to just mention, you know, so uh, I don't spend any time on beginnertriathlete.com anymore, but um, I did feel like it was uh, a venue that I actually was willing to express or put a question or, you know, ask things, uh, whereas, like, even today I joke that I'm scared as, you know, what I consider to be someone pretty knowledgeable in the sport to, like, post something on Slow Twitch because you're going to get, you know, bashed, you know, and things like that, so. Yeah, uh, yeah, Slow, slow Twitch is, I like Slow Twitch because of that, though. I yeah. Mean, I won't just, <laughs> if I'm going to say something on Slow Twitch, I know, I know I'm opening myself up to that, and I'll get, and, and, and I'll get it there, and there are people there who are in, so incredibly knowledgeable that, you know, I mean, I, I've had, pa- I've had Paulo back in 2007 just ripped me a new one over something that I posted about DO2 max testing. And to this day, he and I are friends. And I, and I tease him about it. I was like, I was like, I remember when I was the new kid, on, that new kid coming in and make a comment and man, you were just all over me. <laughs> so there, you have to have a thick skin, but if, if you do, you can tease out some pretty decent information from a forum like SlowTwitch. Now that's a great point. I mean, you're right. The resources and people that are checking that out are, um, you know, well, you got to, Make sure you maybe look at the background of who's making that comment, but there's a lot of uh, really uh, intelligent comments coming from there, but uh, also a lot of people uh, not holding back and maybe not as reputable as they think they are. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) Uh, Cool. Um, Elliot, you've, I mean, you've engaged and interacted with Brian more than I have since you obviously live in the same state as him. Uh, Anything you want to kick off or add with us here? Well, I mean... I attribute a lot of my success towards him, and I'm not just saying that because he's on the call, but, I mean, like you said from the beginning, he was, like, sort of a god to us. We looked at his training every single day. I mean, I I looked at his training every single day and just replicated my training around him, and I just kept telling myself when I started back in 2009, I want to be like Brian Dunn. So, I mean, him and I trained very similar, and... I mean, I just kind of, kind of went off his work ethic, and I, I learned a ton from him. So thank you, Brian. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I really appreciate that, Elliot. I know I, I know I tease you a lot, but uh, that means a lot. It means a lot coming from you, especially because because of the athlete that you become and, and how as successful as you become. And I've seen and I've seen you put in all of the work. You know, it's not it's not like you are you were an unknown quantity and the show up and you're winning your age group in Canada and going off to Kona every every year of the past couple of years and you were you know this great athlete I saw you struggle I saw you have results that you were disappointed in but you never quit and you know we coached with the same coach for so many years um, and so we had you know such a you know we've had a lot of commonality and similar experiences in how we've participated in the multi-sports scene locally here in Arizona um, and then, and, and had, you know, it's, it's been great to see you have the success you've had because you really, really deserve it. Cause you really did put in the work and did what you had to do to get to where you wanted to go. And it's that there's a lot to be said for that. Yep. And I mean, I, that's what I tell a lot of these beginner triathletes is, I mean, I started with nothing. You, I would say you're, you have a genetic gift where, I mean, you're able to qualify for Conan. I mean, it was one of your first, first years in triathlon, correct? Yeah, it was, um, it was, I started in 2006 in, in May, and in, 
qualified for Kona in, at the Ironman Arizona in uh, 2007, which was in April at that time. And oh, right, yeah, so less than a year. So, yeah. I mean, it took me it took me five years to finally yeah. Yeah. finally be a contender. I mean, yeah. my first, first marathon was four and a half hours. My first half was six and a half. My first <laughs> Ironman, it wasn't even close. So, yeah, I, I put in... Put in a lot yeah. of work, but you are right. I was I was born on third base, but I know I didn't hit a triple. I didn't, you know, I was I was put in a position um, thanks to my mother and genetics that w- when I decided to give triathlon a, a whirl, you know, I w- immediately tapped into a, an aerobic engine that was what was very developed and was had a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. Other people may may have to work harder to get to that same point. I I did certainly put in the work. I mean, no uh, doubt. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I I my wife and I didn't have any kids at the time, and I, I have a flexible job schedule, so I was able to go and train 12, 14, 15 hour weeks, week in, week out. Um, and I didn't even know any better. I had a, I had, we I had a coach. The coach gave me the plan, and I just went out and did whatever he, whatever the plan said. I was sort of very single-minded about it. Um, I'm very OCD, so when I when I see the the, the the workout on the schedule, I'm compelled to do it because if I don't, it bothers me. Because if I see an empty block in my training schedule, it makes me crazy. So I need to just go out and do it. So I, I never suffered from a lack of, of motivation. I was never motivated necessarily to qualify for Kona when I first started. I just wanted to do the work. And doing the work then beget the results and the results then beget me qualifying and being able to go to Hawaii. I mean, and, and as you mentioned at the intro about my mother, um, my mother, uh, was a previous, um, age group, uh, world champion in Hawaii twice in the 1980s. She got involved in triathlon, I think around 19, in, in, in 1980, I think, or 81 was her first race. Uh-huh. She, um, she had been a runner before that, um, and prior to that, she had been involved in a skiing accident in 1972 when I was four years old that nearly killed her in up at Stratton, um, Vermont. Yeah, Colin, yeah, sure. Vermont. Yeah, she she fell off a cliff there and uh, fractured like eight vertebrae in her back and oh collapsed the line. Oh my god! Wow. Fractured her, fractured her pelvis, cracked her skull. They they thought she would she wouldn't survive the night. Then they thought that she would be paralyzed, but after a year and a full body cast and, and some experimental fusion surgery on, on her vertebrae, um, where she lost, I think, like two inches in her height, she was able to, uh, to walk. And uh, she had never been an active person, but she started running in the mid-70s when Nike came out with the first waffle-sold running <laughs> shoe. And uh, then she did the New York Marathon, I think, in like 78 or 77 or so. And then... Uh, eventually saw the Iron Man, saw the, the Julie Moss Iron Man as when it was televised and decided that she wanted to go and try and do that. And back then qualifying was kind of easy. You you just had to go to a you could go to an Olympic distance race and qualify for Hawaii right. at that point. Right. Um, but she went she went to Kona three times during the eighties, um, won her age group twice. Um, and uh, became a motivational speaker locally back in Greenwich, Connecticut, where I'm from in the tri-state area and uh, had a personal training business for a number of years um, in the 90s. She lives out here now with us about, about a mile and a half from where I am right now and in Scottsdale and uh, still still runs every morning and um, is still very healthy. She hasn't done triathlon. Her last Ironman was the very first Ironman Florida, which I think was 19... Uh, 91 I think it was and wow. I think she finished that in, in under 13 hours um, I think she I can't remember what put her in her age group but uh, yeah so she's she was she was a very accomplished endurance athlete and so when I when I decided to try triathlon which which I didn't do until 2006 and moving to Arizona um, I was I swam as a kid I was a cross-country runner in high school so and I was doing a lot of running so I bought a bike and got myself back in the pool and um, and hired a coach. And, and then when I did qualify for Hawaii, what made that so special for me is, number one, I, I didn't have a lot of emotional attachment to the race. I just decided to try and qualify and go to Hawaii because it was a world championship. So I wasn't one of those people that had been trying and throwing it against the wall for so many years to get there. Um, but for me, what made it special was the fact that I took my mom with me. As, and that was neat to be there with her because she, she hadn't been to Hawaii since 1989. And to take her there for the race and she saw people she she remembered who remembered her and it was really, it was really special that first year in 2007 when I did go back when I did, when I went for the first time rather that's awesome that's amazing all of that really cool 
Um, and so that, and I actually, I, I have to ask that it's interesting how, you know, you, you grew up obviously around and you were around her with triathlon, but then when you moved away is when you decided to get into triathlon. Any, yeah, any you know, reason with that? Triathlon, triathlon had, had, did not, was not a, a very popular thing in my family during the eighties, uh, when my mom was doing it, mostly because it caused oh. a lot of stress between my yeah. dad and my mom. My dad was a very successful ear, nose, and throat surgeon, had a private practice that was doing great. Um, he was very busy. He worked six days a week. Um, and he really wanted he, – he needed a, a partner um, who would be there when he gets home after a long day to have dinner with, to relax. But meanwhile, my mom sort of got involved in, in triathlon, and it, it, it took so much of her time, as we all know, yeah. that triathlon can be very challenging to personal relationships. And what they say, if, if, you, if your relationship's going well, you're not training enough. So, <laughs> you know, my, and my mom and my dad were the victims of that. And it wasn't all my mom's fault, but uh, my parents did divorce in 1986. And triathlon had a lot to do with that. And, and to yeah. this day, even I mean, my dad appreciates that I do triathlon. He appreciates the accomplishments I've had in the sport. He's still not a big fan of the sport. Yeah. <laughs> he looks at it like that, that sort of negative thing that got between him and my mom. And uh, so... I I had zero interest in doing triathlon. I really never in every and not not that I, I I hated it. I just wasn't interested. I just had no no compelling reason to do it. But moving to Arizona, and I was running so much, and I got I just got tired of running. I was just like I want to do something else. And there was a triathlon community here that it was established that was actually pretty big in back in two thousand and five two thousand six. So I got involved with them, and, and I was the newbie, and I was the new guy, and I got taken in by people that Elliot and I know locally who really helped me and f- helped me figure stuff out. And very quickly, I you know I, I literally went from deciding to do a triathlon in January of two thousand and six to doing my first one in May. I trained myself. I got you know like I said I bought a bike and. I did that race. It was an Olympic distance race. I didn't even do the sprint. I just did the Olympics. I figured, well, why not? And I, I got third in my age group. And I had no idea that I had done that. And it was pretty exciting, I guess. And so that's what sort of – and I met, the, I met the guy that became my coach at that race. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a whirlwind as I got in, how I got involved in it and so quickly. But um, it definitely wasn't something that I'd ever considered growing up or even as a young adult. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, it's worth noting that I was 30 – I was 33 when I, 34 when I started and, you know, yeah. I'm, or yeah, 34, 35. And now I'm, you know, 47 going on 48. Crazy. Yeah. I know to start that late too, though, pick it right up is, is pretty cool. Well, you, I mean, obviously that background, you know, but there's something that people say sometimes about your, your, your actual age, physical age versus your athletic age. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting theory that I've, I've heard discussed. Um, but sometimes People who are active and who have a, a large capacity for aerobic work, whether genetically, let's say, like I did, um, you know, if they start later, they go lo- they can go longer. You know, whereas someone who was a track runner or a really accomplished um, person in their sport, whether you know, so mo- mostly from running, maybe swimming, you know, as they get older, they tend to sort of get more injuries or sort of can't do the same type of work anymore. So. Sometimes it, sometimes getting into it later is very helpful, and Ironman yeah. is is certainly a sport that's that's heavily demographic wise heavily skewed towards you know men thirty five to forty five. Right. And, you know the reason I think the reason is not just the economics of it, I and mean, the economics are obviously important because the sport is so expensive and yeah. the barriers of entry are expensive. But I also think that that they're they're not going to win a hundred meter dash, but they could go out and win a half Ironman because it's a four and a half five hour event. And their aerobic engines, our aerobic engines improve and get better as we age. I mean, for men, you can you, you can improve in, into your 40s um, as far as your aerobic capacities to handle work. Your intensity abilities are diminished with age more quickly, but your aerobic capacity does get better. So I think that's why you see so many older people that are getting involved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes me think too, you know, about your your drive and and things and your desire and you know. I think that's obviously a gigantic part of people's success. And when I look at myself, you know, I played hockey through college and, you know, was pretty successful at Division One college. But, you know, I was a third string goalie in college. And 
I I still kind of feel like triathlon, or I didn't prove or like do everything I wanted to in sport, and that I kind of have things to prove even to myself and the people about my athletic abilities. And you know, if it, there's a lot of people that maybe were perfectly fine playing, you know, varsity football in high school, and when they finished, you know, they don't really aspire to do much more athletically. Um, where some people, you know, still have that drive, and you know, if you have that within, that's especially for long course, you, I think you just have to have that if you really want to do well. Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, it's funny when you talk about motivation, that's such a, that's such a personal thing. I mean, you know, Elliot was motivated strongly um, by trying, by looking at, at, at what I had done and deciding that he wanted to go down that road because he really wanted to achieve getting to the, this world championship race in Hawaii. And that, that becomes, you know, his, his drive for me. Uh, and, and I've said it to Elliot number many times, and I've said it on BT in the past. Um, if you told me to, today that I can no longer race, I would be perfectly fine with that, and I would just keep training. Because for me, it's all about the training. I, I like the consistency of doing a swim, bike, run activity all week, and that's where I get pleasure and enjoyment out of it. The health benefits are, are, are nice, but they're not, they're, they're not even my, my real motivation. The race, the race accolades and the accomplishments are nice, but honestly, for me, it's just the consistency of, of doing the training. I, I like to get out there. I like to do my run and my rides and my swims. And I find that the most satisfying. So for me, it's all about the training and the racing is, is definitely second. Cause I'm, I'm not, I'm not a super, competitive guy when it comes to sports in general i mean i i'm not i don't go i'm gonna kill like like elliot's a good example <laughs> elliot and, and and you are too because i mean you're like your performance at Ironman man recently is is representative of someone that was gonna was gonna do whatever it took to get to where they needed to go to be quite honest if i if, if i had gotten off the bike like you did and i was at 11th place i probably would have thrown the towel in and been like <laughs> ah, I'll just, i'm just gonna coast this thing in you know i've seen i've seen elliot absolutely turn himself inside out to achieve a result and he does it he does it with consistency i mean he, he does it a lot and it's, it's very impressive because it's not something that i necessarily have in me when i'm out there racing because the racing just doesn't it doesn't mean quite as much to me as it say it does to you or does to elliot mm-hmm. um the competitive side of it it's if it wasn't just simply that i was I'm, i was fast that and i was able to be fast being and, and do it on my terms that it, which it's been great. It's made my life a lot, made my racing life a lot more pleasant. But if you know, if if I had to work a lot harder at it, I'm not quite sure how motivated <laughs> I would be to do it. Yeah, know? it's interesting. So it's a yeah. funny little conundrum, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and Colin and I were kind of discussing that the other day, and I mean, if I wasn't in contention or just competing in my inside my age group at every race, like I I don't know if I would have as much fun in this sport, and I'm that's totally different from your viewpoint but i mean i got called an elitist this past weekend and <laughs> i i guess i kind of am because i mean i i do want i'm in this sport to do well i want i want to win like well keep in mind something like saying being elite and or you know it, it's that's a reflection that's not something you put out that's something that other people put on you in regards to like if if you are winning your age group or if you are one of the top guys um, locally and you are at this point, I mean, you're, you're probably one of the top five age group triathletes in the Valley. And you know, that, that makes, and I, and I experienced this back when I was, when I was more competitive and racing more Ironman long course stuff is that people do, you know, look at you like, you know, you're different. They, They don't realize that you're just like them. You're just doing the same stuff. You just happen to be faster. Faster mm-hmm. is the only thing that's, separ- that's really separating you. They're training hard. You're training hard. It's just it's just the question of the result. The training results in a faster time, and the time then results in people taking notice of you, and you get to go to the big races. Um, a true story. You know, we have a mutual friend, Colin, um, out here named David Tyndall. Yeah, um, who's a good David. friend of mine yep. as well. And, and David, David, he's 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 just the, he's the nicest, most laid back guy you'd ever want to meet in sport. David, in 2012, he and his wife were, were at Ironman St. George, where I also was racing. And that was that hellacious day where the winds kicked up. And right, I was there as well, yeah. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Okay, so you remember that. So, oh, yeah. Ironman St. George, 2012. I've blocked it out mainly, but yes, I remember. <laughs> yeah, I, 
I, you know, I went there with, with, and I told anyone who would, who would ask that my goal was to win my age group because I'd never done that before. Um, and I managed to do that on that day, which made it even more special. But the next day, we were, I was at the, uh, the store right before, before awards and the Kona slot allocation. And apparently David and his wife, Kimberly, were there. But they didn't, and David wanted to meet me and say hello, but he felt, he felt weird. He's like, oh, I don't want to bother him. And Kimberly was like, no, go say hello. And he's like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to bother him. It's like, it was like, that's, so I didn't, I didn't put that out. I mean, if David walked over and said, hey, I'm David Tindall. I live in Phoenix and I, you know, I know, I know you from races. I've seen your results. Whatever. That, that's, that's perfectly fine. But he didn't even want to, he was, he was afraid. Well, he you were on a different level. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which, which is so silly because, I, and, right. it's, you know, we joke about it now because we're, we're such good friends and he was on the zoo team last year um, here locally with us. And yeah, no, he's just, and so it's just, I think when you get to that, that elitist thing, again, that, that's something that other people sort of put on you. And, and it's, I've only, I've met a couple of people that are just raging assholes. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. there, there are people whose result, their results are all they can, all they can fixate on. And they'll just, they'll tell you all about it within five seconds. And I'm sure I've been guilty of that too. <laughs> <laughs> but there, but it really, it really, it, it just doesn't really matter. I mean, it's kind yeah. of all, it's yeah. all this, it's all, nobody, nobody ultimately well, really does care, but some, but yeah, some, like you said, it really doesn't matter. I mean, I, I put in, I put in faster results than a lot of people, but at the end of the day, it all comes down to myself and how well I want to do. Like, I really don't care how, what other people think or, yeah, or should it's they? the truth, exactly. I mean, we're all competing in the same sport. It is just a sport. It is, a, and it is. It's an amateur sport. It's a hobby. Yeah. I mean, it's it it's it, it, it be you can't stress enough that this is or, that no one is doing this professionally, and it's it's just all for fun. I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Exactly right. You know, and uh, you know, it's interesting. Obviously, there's been that um, uh, Wall Street Journal article, and you're talking about you know you you think that your parents uh, that triathlon at a, at a, was an impact on you know causing their divorce and things like that, and. Uh, you know, it's it's just mortifying to, to think about that, and uh, you know, we we got to find the the right balance, and uh, certainly something I strive to, to hopefully do with you know with my clients, and certainly in my own personal life, um, certainly uh, <laughs> push those limits sometimes. But uh, you know, I think we all all do when we're we're driven for something. But um, you know, I guess even if you're talking to people like us that have had some success, you know, but you gotta you got to look at that full picture of, you know, what's really important in life. And, you know, if you're on the verge of that, uh, make sure that you're at least communicating that with the people around you to maybe make some changes because, yeah, I, uh, you know, it's just not worth that. And you're probably going to look back at, at that in the very near future and really may have some regrets. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, and I think, I think it's probably worse where I, I, you know, obviously, as you know, taking someone to, from a relatively, you know, low level of activity and and getting them trained up to finish an Ironman is one thing. Um, I think where where it gets very problematic are people that are trying to race and or qualify for events like like Kona, because you know whenever people ask me about about how to qualify for Kona, the very first thing I say to them is like it is so incredibly hard, and they say to qualify it's like no to train enough to qualify. The, that's where the problem yeah. is. The problem isn't the race itself. The race is, is, is kind of academic, but if you, if, cause you have to put the work in, if you, but to put the work in, it's, it's a commitment that I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. I mean, is, is it worth it? Yeah, it can be. Mm. Um, but if it becomes, if it becomes a thing you do all the time, I don't know. It, it just, it's just, it's just too much. It just takes up so much of your time. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at my training right now, and I'm less than five weeks out from my race. And yeah, I mean, we don't we don't want to have this conversation with you right now, Elliot. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was kidding. I said we don't want to have this conversation with you right now because you're uh, you're hitting right. the high volume. Oh yeah. Well, and that was the point I was making. Like, I mean, there's one there's some point in training where you do have to become obsessive with it, and yeah. I'm at that point right now, and. I mean, I can tell you, I mean, truthfully, it is selfish, and I'm spending 20-plus hours a week training right now, and it's, but I, that's, I mean, I want to put in the good results, so, I mean, I know I have to put in those hours. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's just, selfish. Yeah. it's hard, I mean, it's, it's, it's really hard, and, uh, 
you know, I, I've had, you know, that first, my 2007 experience going in, in doing all that training was great. I mean, it, it, although I should say, and I didn't mention that, it, it did put a tremendous amount of strain on my relationship with my wife, Jamie, at the time. Because we didn't, I didn't realize how hard it was going to be in terms of how much time it was going to require. And she, before my Ironman Zoto race, she was, she had had it. I mean, she was so fed up with me and my training. When I qualified for Hawaii, all of a sudden her tune changed to Flutter Two. Oh, we get to go to Hawaii. That's great. So you know, and since then we we and over the years since we we sort of have, we've managed it a lot better, having gone through that initial shock of what it meant to train for an Ironman and then and, and specifically to train. For an Ironman at a level where you're going to be able to have a shot of qualifying, um, you know, and then you know I've gone back to Hawaii twice after that in 2010 and 2012, um, you know, and and I realized after my 2012 race that that I really enjoy the event, I enjoy the atmosphere and the vibe, and it's very very special, and it certainly is worth going and doing, um, but I also realized that. I'm never going to get any better that, you know, I, I, the best I've ever finished is 26 in my age group and I'm never going to crack the top 20 and I'm never going to, I'm never even going to become sniffing to the top 10. So there's a point where I'm like, why, why am I keeping to come back it. here yeah. just to be 30th? I mean, it's like, well, yeah. I, it, so it has to be about the experience now because I, if I'm not going to be competitive at Kona, then, and, and if to get to Kona, I have to do all of that work. Well, then I, really better go and make sure I'm, I'm going for reasons that I'm going to enjoy, that it's good for my family. And since 2012, I haven't been able to see my way clear to, to even consider it. Um, mm-hmm. And when I think about an iron, doing an Ironman, I have zero interest. I mean, literally less than zero interest. It doesn't, people are like, oh, aren't you tempted? I'm like, not even a little. <laughs> I mean, I just spent the past two years doing nothing but short course ITU racing and it was great. I yeah. loved it. I had so much free time. I got slower. I, I mean, I got slower <laughs> at long course, but that's okay. And, yeah. you know, I, I had a goal of making, of being on Team USA and I was able to squeak in um, at Nationals in 2014 to get onto the team for men 40 to 44. It was in Chicago, so it was local was exciting um but it you know I, I, it, that was fun that was fun racing when i think about iron man there's just nothing fun about it right now that gets mm-hmm. me excited and I, you have to have that if you don't have that forget then there's really no point yeah exactly well i think too i mean you, you make a good point about you know really hopefully having the family buy-in right yeah. um yeah. you know and there's certainly different people i've coached over the years where their significant others and their family, you know, they're obviously they're they're making a sacrifice too, you know, but they have to be, you know, ideally, uh, they're they're willing to make that sacrifice as well because it gets really dicey if they're not, you know, and uh, absolutely, you know, I, you, I think age group and since this this podcast is, you know, specifically directed towards discussing the issues attendant with being an age grouper and exactly. the sport. Yep. The one thing I can say and and I would say to people is, hey, you know. Have a list of different things you want to do. Don't don't get so involved in the WTC Ironman racing that you lose sight of other events, other races. Um, you know, having done Kona and and having the results I had, having you know done St. George and having a win in my age group, having made the podium for 70.3 Worlds, getting a fourth place in 2011 in Vegas. I've been checking boxes off. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, I've gone to Worlds. I, I made a podium in Vegas. I'll never make the podium in Kona, so that's fine. So forget that. And then I thought about, like, you know, like like ITU. Oh, what if I could go and be on the Team USA? That would be a different experience and right. a new experience for me. And so it was fun. It's been fun to cycle through that and do different things and change it up a little bit and um, you know and get away from just doing the same type of stuff. And I think it's, I think that has value and it, it keeps you motivated. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that too. And like, I actually uh, think hopefully within uh, a year or two, I may try and do some Xterra stuff and just mix it up yeah. really, you know, do it totally different. But I got to be honest, like, there's still like, when I think about like even next year and like not and uh, not having a Ironman on the schedule, it's like just like crazy to me, um, yeah. you know. But uh, um, yeah, I was re- when I when I walked when I finished that race in, in Hawaii in 2012. I finished that race and not having anything on the schedule Ironman related was was a very happy and gave me a sense of contentment. So yeah, if you can get to that point, then it's great. Then you just feel like, oh great, I'm I'm I've proved to myself what I can do. I've I've seen that I've gotten the best out of myself, and it's time to maybe try other things and just to to try and expand and diversify a little bit. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, and that lines up pretty well, and certainly something I wanted to ask you about is, you know, so you're still obviously racing and still doing, we'll call, you know, half Ironman's long course, and, um, you know, you've got a child now. So um, tell me how life has changed and, like, what your thought is for people training um, with families. You know, it, people people ask me a lot, and, you know, when I when I sort of went off to do the, the short course stuff, which, which was coincidental just after Jensen was born well not coincidental it, it was by design i mean yeah. when jensen was born my wife and i jamie jamie said listen no ironmans you know let's let's be mom and dad and she was right and i said yeah you're absolutely right i'll do the short races and it won't take me nearly as much time I, you know the training won't be as involved and um and then people ask me like you know did did you do that because because of jensen or was was, was my son's you know was the time commitment to my son prohibitive to training for Ironman or or let's say a half Ironman? And the reality is that for me, you know, this is an N equals one, but for me, no, I could very easily train for a half or I could probably even train for a full having a three-year-old son because I have a unique schedule and it's flexible and, and my wife works, but we have my mom who's here who can help, you know, watch Jensen if I need to go for a run. So because of the, the fam, the support system we have locally and because of the nature of my employment, yes, I could easily continue to do it. So mm -hmm. Jensen isn't the challenge. I'm the challenge. It's yeah. me and my head and what I want to do. That is the, the larger prohibitive factor than him. Um, so, when I look at you, Colin, and what you do, and other friends that I have who have multiple children, like uh, Rick Lipinski in Chicago, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you know, he he's got a, a, a young baby, he's got a little boy, and you know, and he's got a teaching job, and uh, you know, he, that's that's busy. You and when I look at you, you're busy, and you're managing to do it all. So I am, I am not the person to ask about that it's you are the expert on that believe me because and and there are so many other people that i'm so amazed with who managed to have a, a a really wonderful healthy family life like elliot bill jones locally i mean bill's got two boys great wife he's and he races and everything's normal with them you know the people who seem to have the biggest problems are though and, and I've never noticed how many, or not, I never noticed, but I'm, I'm always amazed how many couples I know who do triathlon who don't have children. Yeah. There's a whole world <laughs> of them out there that are so, they're just all about triathlon, and that's like, that's it for them. That's their that's children. Fine. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's their choice, and that's perfectly cool. But they're the ones who seem to struggle the most sometimes. You know, maybe, maybe having a kid and having a wife and having a bigger family, maybe... It gives your it gives the training perspective. It makes you more efficient with your time. And maybe when a guy like you, Colin, does find the time to get out there and train, holy shit, you make it work and make it count because yep. this is this is really important. Whereas like you know, Elliot and I can maybe dick around and and, and maybe you know half-ass a workout because we don't feel up to it because we know tomorrow morning I can just get up and, and do it again because I have time. But you don't have time. So when you when when it's someone who is time crunched who has a fam, a lot of family obligations. Uh, I bet you a lot of them train super duper duper smart, and when they go out there, they make every session really count, and that's great. And I think yeah. that's the way to do it. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, um, cool. No, I mean I agree. You know, obviously, yeah. There's, I mean, there's just got to be. I have uh, obviously a lot of drive, and uh, you know, motivated to to succeed and and do what I you know is to have the passion for triathlon. So, um, you know getting up early and working late, uh, you know, are, are certainly common things for me. And, uh, um, you know, at the same time, I have some flexibility in my job as well. And, um, I'm, I'm pretty good at multitasking, but, um, you know, it's, it's really, I think comes down to your passion and just, you know, that really in life, you know, you can find ways to make it work when you want to do something, you know, as long as you keep the, your loved ones involved and make sure they're on board with it and you're doing it together, then, uh, you can make it work in most cases. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, and like, I, I just am amazed sometimes seeing what people ha can can manage to do with the time they have available. And it's and it's it's it is impressive. And, and and I think you know I think it's it, it that's healthy. I I see those people as having a much healthier relationship with the sport sometimes than I do others. So. Yeah, you know, it's interesting too to that point. And and I'll kind of mention I've talked to Elliot about this before. Is you know, um, I you know get certainly not high volumes of training, but I do get, you know, what I need to, and I do have my big weeks, uh, you know, in Ironman prep, but 
if I like if I did race as a pro or I trained as much as they do, I don't think I'd enjoy the sport at all. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's just I it's too it. much, and yeah. um, you know, you got to find that that median, you know, that uh, is reasonable. And and really, you know, how much? Obviously, they get better, and you know, really to be a professional, you need to be putting in those kind of hours. But how much benefit do they really get out of doing that much more training volume? You know, and uh, yeah. to me, yeah. the mental stress that I would put on would just be way outweigh, you know, what uh, what the benefit would be. So, um, you know, it's 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 all different to to everybody, and um, but uh, it's interesting for sure. I think one, and then, you know, one we sort of touched upon earlier the kind of the social aspect, and we we're talking about you know how people perceive you in, in the community. But I think a lot can be a lot can be said. I, I don't know how it is that where you are in New Hampshire. I know there's a there's a pretty decent sized multi sport community in New England. There certainly is here in Arizona and, and Scottsdale specifically in Phoenix, and you know it's it's it provides a, a really nice environment where you meet a lot of great people. So th there's that aspect of the sport that I think is also a real positive. And no doubt. A, you know, a real benefit for me, you know, a lot of what I consider like my local outreach has been associated with, with Zoot. Um, cause I've, you know, I've been, I've been sponsored by Zoot since 2008. Um, and my relationship with the company over the years has been, definitely one of the more satisfying aspects of my participation in the sport. I, I love the people there. They have been so supportive of me and my racing over the years. And, you know, as recently we've, we rolled out the team zoo concept and where we were sort of trying to bring that experience to even more people. And for me, you know, being the regional team captain for team zoo, um, here in the Southwest, it, it's, been, I love it. You know, I love, I love, being able to get people together who don't know each other and put them on a team together and then they, they become friends and they start training together and we do things together and we we participate and, and, and give back to the local community and it's just it's a lot of fun and that's been a very very satisfying and I, I gotta be honest that's probably one of the reasons I, I I continue to stick with the sport in general rather than just do my training and just maybe not race nearly as much at all because I want to I want to be involved with them and with the team and I and that sort of drives me to do well. I should I do should, I should do some racing to make it even you know to get people together and make it more fun. But that definitely has been a, a big that's, motivator yeah, for me. That's a great point. Yeah. So I mean, and you know, obviously talking to Elliot regularly and hearing about you know what you guys going on have going on in the Scottsdale area, um, it's pretty amazing and uh, certainly not something I've been able to replicate in in the Northeast here. And um, you know, I have the triathlon club I run and. Uh, um, we're definitely a little bit further out. I mean, I think it's just logistically with people spread out more and, uh, it's not, uh, as populated of an area. Um, but you know, the, the team community is amazing, you know, and the people yeah. really are incredible. And, uh, I mean, I guess it's more of a coaching thing, but like a quick story. Uh, one of my clients, uh, just competed in Syracuse 70.3 this past weekend. And I've only been working for with her for a few months, but uh, you know she she had a great race and uh, she competed. It was her first one, like I said. And um, she told me in her post race uh, comments that like in high school she couldn't she got sick and she couldn't even walk. And like she was at that point she was running in or hoping to run in college and you know had these aspirations there and you know they all just completely fell off the wayside. And, you know, within, you know, a couple of years now, she's been able to complete a half Ironman and, you know, having, um, awareness and, you know, I think she should let people know, I think it's a tremendously inspiring, um, but, you know, surrounding you with people with, that are positive and, and trying to meet goals and things like that is just, uh, extremely powerful to me. And, uh, I was amazed, like I said, that I didn't find out about it till after, but, uh, it's really neat things. And I think you, you see a lot of things in the sport, um, that are similar to that. Yeah, and I mean, I know Elliot just did a big training camp with a bunch of people up in Flagstaff that, and had a similar kind of experience. And it was, did you enjoy it, Elliot? It was a lot of fun. Oh, it was, it was so much fun. And yeah. I mean, like you said, I think even though some people may not like me as much, I mean, it's the community around here that keeps me in this sport. I mean, I've met so many great people, and people that really do know me know that I'm a good person. And, and um, yeah, I mean, I have a blast training with people. Yeah, that's cool. Um, let's see here. I'm going to run to my notes here and see. Oh, yeah, one question I have so, for you, Brian. Oh, yeah, I have a question for Brian. Yeah, so hit it. So you have a big uh, event coming up this next weekend. 
Oh, right. right. So, yeah. yeah. So, Colin, do you, do, do, do you, have you heard about this thing? Uh, just very briefly. So you got to uh, tell That's us about good. it here. Yeah, because, I mean, this is, some, this is an event that, that the, the guy who started it is, is trying and to make it into an actual race that uh, people could, can register for. So our mutual friend, Dirk Ross, here in Arizona, who, um, who's, who we, Ellie and I have known for many years, um, uh, he decided he wanted to go do Norseman two years ago. Okay, and he cool. wasn't able to get in via the lottery. So he got, he got turned down in Norseman. He, I think he tried to get into Keltman, got to, he couldn't get into that. So basically he was looking to go do an, one of the hardest Ironmans there are. So instead of that, so his alternative idea then was to create his own race. <laughs> so he, just, he came up with this idea of doing a 2.4-mile swim out at Roosevelt Lake, which is sort of in the, in the National Forest, um, you know, to the east of Phoenix. Um, it's a beautiful lake, and it's about a... I don't know, maybe an hour drive from here. You do a 2.4-mile swim there. Then you ride your bike from there through a town called Payson up up to Flagstaff, Arizona, which is it's about 10,000 feet of climbing on the bike, and it's 127 miles. Wow. Then his idea was to, from that transition to, run through Flagstaff, run to Snowball, which is the ski resort in, in the... Uh, uh, up at the San Francisco peaks and run to the top of Mount Humphreys, which is at 12,000 feet. Cause it was, and he mapped out a course that was 26.2 miles from the parking lot to the very top of the Mount Humphreys trail. And last year he did it. And a bunch of us came out and I'm, I mean, there must've been 15, 20 of us at any given time came out. A bunch of people did swim with him. They had kayakers to, to guide the way. Cause it was, a, it was dark when they started. Cause he, he didn't know how long it was going to take. Yeah. I did the, I did the bike ride with him as well as a bunch of other people, including Pedro Gomez, who's uh, one of our local yeah. pros. Yeah. who's very yeah. accomplished. And, um, and then a bunch of people ran with him various parts of the run some you know my wife ran with him through town and then um ellie were you there you know you didn't come did you no i didn't do it okay um uh, not that crazy yeah (laughs) it's nuts so anyway so he but he he finished he did it he 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 got to the top of mount humphreys the highest point in arizona um at at like 10 30 at night wow and the the worst the worst part of this is after all of that after this he hiked down. <laughs> you, there's no other way off that mountain than to walk, and you got to walk about five miles back down to the parking lot. Uh, you know, and it's that must have been pure pleasure. <laughs> anyway, so he he's decided to do it again this year, and he actually had a registration process, and I think he's got four people doing the entire race, the entire thing with him. Um, and I'm going to do the swim and the bike this time. I didn't do, I didn't do the swim before, but I, I, I might as well since I'm out there. Yeah. And uh, so it's, it's really exciting, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. He's got tons of local people. He's part of our zoo team as well, and people from our team, and as well as all of other friends coming out to support with SAG cars, and a bunch of people doing the bike, doing the run, same kind of idea. But four people, uh, besides Dirk, are going to try and do the, the whole thing. Very and cool. if you know if it works out, he's 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 looking into insurance. He's looking into what it would take to actually make it a make legit it a, event. Yeah, make it a legitimate event. Yeah, I mean, including maybe getting prize money to uh, to attract some of the local pros like Pedro, um, and Joseph Major, who's you know maybe at the tail end of his professional career is here. Matt Russell, um, yeah. he doesn't live anymore, but he's got a lot of connections to uh, to Phoenix. Maybe we can get him to come out. Um, I was going to talk to Wells Fargo, my employer, and yeah. see if they might be interested in putting up the uh, prize money for the pros next year to see if they'd come do it. Because once you get a few pros to come and do it, from a social media standpoint, the name gets out there a lot better. And Absolutely. You could, yeah, I mean, it, and, and it, it's arguably arguably the hardest triathlon, you know, as far as in the U.S. anyway. I mean, it's sure. tough to, to say anything else is, hard, is, is, is harder than that because it's, it's a bear. It's really tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you could say that based on that description. Sure, uh, yeah. you've proven yeah. that to me. Um, <laughs> Climb, running to 12,000 feet, it's just insane. Uh, <laughs> I just can't even. That is crazy. It's funny you decided to pass on that part of it, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, haven't, I haven't ridden more than 56 miles, so doing 127 is going to be fun. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Oh, anyway, that's it's, funny. It, it's fun because it's grassroots, because it's local, because it's, you know... 
it's it's the type of, of event that you would have seen back in the late seventies, right? Triathlon just getting started, so it's fun to go back to that. Yeah, it's actually so it's funny. On, uh, right, go is ahead. That on Sunday or Saturday, Brian? Sunday. Sunday. Okay. Yeah. He cho- he picked Sunday just because he figured the traffic on the roads won't be as bad, which is true. Because you know how it is with all the people going up to the high country, going up to the mountains. The, the roads tend to get a little more, uh, have a lot more traffic, so Sunday is a little bit quieter. So that's the plan. Cool. Okay. Yeah, there's actually uh, I'll quickly make a plug for a local race. Ironically, this weekend as well. Um, it's called Sea to Summit. And it's obviously not quite as extreme, but it's you know obviously not an Ironman brand or anything like that. Where it's a 1.5 mile swim in uh, this river, and then you do um, a pretty epic. Uh, what is it here? I'm trying to find it real quick. Like I think it's around a 90 mile bike, and then Brian, maybe you've heard of you know Mount Washington um, is oh, a, sure. is really popular. So basically, you you run up uh, Mount Washington. Um, okay. wow, cool. so it's, uh, you know, it's certainly not those distances, but it's, it's outside the box. Like, uh, he's, he's made something here and, uh, maybe we need to get back more to that. <laughs> That's cool. It really is. Yeah. 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 Nice. Um, so Brian, I want to get, I want to ask you a kind of a, a race or a tactical question here. Um, uh-huh. so I know, um, you've always been a huge fan of, heart rate training and then certainly racing by heart rate but uh within the last few years you've gotten a power meter and i want to hear kind of your thoughts and you still you still hold true that uh you race by heart rate and uh just kind of i don't know your reflection on heart rate versus power yeah no i i i i use both um i i've been having some issues in the the rate i've only really done two races with power meter so far so and each time there's been there's been something has been wrong. The first race I did earlier this year was an Olympic distance race, and I inadvertently reset my watch, and so I wasn't getting the power data. So I just went by feel, and I didn't even do a very good job doing that. And then at a half Ironman distance race that Ellie and I both did two weeks ago, um, the power data I was getting seemed so decoupled from where my RP and heart rate were that I just ignored it and I just went by heart rate. So even though I've been training with, with the power meter and, 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 and I've been enjoying it. I mean, I know Elliot, Elliot will laugh because you know, the first time I tried a power meter back in 2012, I was so frustrated with it. I said, forget it. I'm never using this thing again. <laughs> but you know, now that I have one and I've been using it more consistently for training and been and being given a training plan by my coach, Rick, 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 who, gives me the you know the framework to use it i do enjoy it i mean it does it definitely is an interesting way to 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 pace but at the end of the day whether it be heart rate power rpe all of these things are simply pacing exercises and and how you do it is less important that you just do it correctly and if you could do it correctly using your heart rate that's fine if you can do it better using power that's better but it, it really is all entirely dependent upon what you're what you're comfortable looking at and if it's accurate if it's working for you that's all that matters so i I don't again getting back to what i said earlier about how the sport has sort of cycled around keeping it simple where things are things can be much more simple it really is it 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 doesn't need to be so complicated and you know once you discover what it is that your body does and how your body responds to stress and stimulus in training and racing that's what you need to know how you measure it is 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 really immaterial as long as it makes sense to you and it you know because it doesn't matter you don't there's no point in comparing the way you feel race your heart rate your power your wattage your ftp to anyone else's it's just all that matters is what you do Mm -hmm. and the results that come of that if if they are what you want then that's a win and you know that you you've now you've solved you know you solved a great question. My thing with with power or the reason I'm, I was so slow to adopt it is because I didn't need it. My biking was not poor. I was I, I, I was able to bike train and push myself enough that my bike improved and I was able to get great results on the bike. Whereas a lot of people, I think, have a tendency to not go hard enough on the bike. When there's, there's a lot of sitting in, there's a lot of chit-chatting, there's a lot of not working on the bike. And if you're using heart rate, I don't think those people who are as familiar with their heart rate and their, what it means to them were getting good workouts. When they, get, when they got their power meters, suddenly it gave them context 
that made their training make more sense to them. I just didn't need it. I, yeah. I, my heart rate is – I don't suffer from from any meaningful heart rate variability as far as conditions or, or as far as fatigue or dehydration or all the classic buzzwords about heart rate that can be problematic for people. And I see other people's heart rate charts, and, yeah, they're all over the place, whereas if you look at mine, it's very – I'm very steady and consistent, and that's just the way I'm built. I mean, I'm just, I'm just put together that way. So, but I, but I am looking forward to using the power meter more. I'm going to continue to train and race with it um, and learn. You know, I, I just feel like I'm learning about how, what, what does power mean to me? What are the num- what do the numbers mean to me in terms of training and racing and sort of going from there and uh, not, but not getting lost in the weeds and having both to, to fall back on is nice during a race. Absolutely. Now that's some great points in there. Really makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Very nice. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there, there's just so many things, there are so many things that I just don't, I think that are a lot of noise that people get so wrapped up in, you know, and whether it be, you know, your, your cadence on the bike, uh, whether it be, you know, your how your foot lands, and it, you know, it's just, there's so much, there's so much noise out there and none of it means anything, mm-hmm. you know, there's just, and, and it, we've been sold a lot of, a lot of bill of goods from a lot of different companies about what we need to be doing, but the reality is that you just have to go out there and be consistent in your training every day, and you will get better, and you will improve. Well said. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ellie, you want to go? Uh, or we're, we're coming up on, I think, almost an hour here, so maybe a couple more questions. Yeah, so, Brian, what are your uh, future goals in triathlon? So, and are you going to ever do Ironman again? <laughs> this is this is a it's, it's it's an unfair question because Elliot already knows the answers because he spent the spent the night with, or uh, spent two nights with us up in our place in Sholo two weeks ago. But uh, so the first question, the second question, yeah, I, I I'd like to do an Ironman again, and I'd like to try and qualify for Hawaii again just to have a, an experience and take my to take Jensen. He's too young right now. Um, maybe when I get up into my fifties, then. That would be a point where he he'll be you know six five six years old so in a couple of years uh, maybe then we'll have we'll be at a point where we can do that and uh, I can and most importantly that I can make the commitment that I'll probably need to make in order to qualify because because to be fair you know I've I've done. I've done three Ironman qualifying events, and at all three of those events, I've qualified for Kona and done three Konas. So I've only done six Ironmans in my life, and. It's nice to be batting a thousand for qualifying for Kona, but I'd be quite honest that when I look over the past couple of years and looking what you and Elliot and other friends of ours locally have to do to qualify, it's gotten a lot harder. And yeah. It's a function of a couple of things. That yes, the people are become it's more competitive because of participation. It's from growing and pulling people out of other sports that are that are very accomplished. Um, and also from the dilution of slots due to the the addition of so many new right. races has made qualifying incredibly hard. I mean, I look at I look at what men 45, 49 have to do nowadays to qualify, and to be quite honest, I'm not sure what I I'd have to do to get there. And mm-hmm. whereas before, back in 2012 and before, I never for a moment thought that I couldn't qualify. Yeah. It was it wasn't going to take something of, catastrophic for it to yeah, not happen. Yeah, right. I just I knew what I needed to do to get there and I knew the work I needed to do to get it and it was it all seemed very academic but now boy I look around and I'm like this is getting really really hard um so I guess so part of me goes boy I, t- I took a great time to get out of, get out of one course because <laughs> I because I always I always I always joke that uh, I'm a has-been um but that's better than being a never was I suppose because it's just like it's gotten so hard you know and and even though I'm proud of my accomplishments, if I had to do it today, I'm not entirely clear that I could do what I did previously. Not because I'm I'm not good, but because everyone else is just so much better, and mm-hmm. it's just gotten so competitive. But yes, long answer to a short question. But yeah, I, I would like to go back, and I probably would do it. You know, when I'm in my fifties, when Jensen's at an age where a trip to Hawaii to go to the Ironman would be something that he could actually understand and sort of maybe appreciate a little bit. Um, and as far as this year, um, my goal, because the uh, 70.3 Worlds, and I really do enjoy the 70.3 distance, even though I've been away for, for the past two years, I'd like to 
take advantage of the fact that 70.3 Worlds is going to be back in the U.S. in 2017 in Chattanooga right. to qualify for that event. Um, and I'm going to use the, the local um, Ironman Arizona Tempe 70.3 as a qualifier. Um, and I know it's going to be very competitive to qualify for this particular 70.3 because it is in the U.S. finally after being away for three years. Um, but also the fact that they're doing a two-day event with men on one day and women on the next means that there'll be twice as many qualifying slots in any given race. So hopefully I can get myself in, in good condition um, to go to go at least top you know, five, six, or whatever it would need to take to get a slot. But it'll, it, it certainly would be – slots won't roll, but they won't go to, you know, to infinity like they have when the race is in Australia because it's such right. a big ask <laughs> to travel. But – um, they won't roll, but they, there will be more of them. I mean, there'll probably be eight in my age group. I mean, I would imagine maybe even nine. So yeah, I bet yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's even more actually. Uh, I mean, obviously yeah, it varies on each race, but that, they're going to yeah. fill that race up. No problem. They're going to put 2,500 men and then 2,500 women out, maybe 3,000, depending on how that course can handle it. But yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot and, and, and they'll take, they'll take slots from some of the European and Asian races because those people won't come. Right. So they'll pack them all into the U S and, and make it make qualifying at least for people that are, that want to qualify and have this, the ability to do it if they train well, that will have a decent shot at getting in there. Yeah. That's a do good point. Do you think point. that kind of system is going to be kind of carried over to Kona one day? I mean, since it's so hard to qualify. No, there's no way they can do a two day event there. I don't think so. No. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'd be shocked. I shouldn't say never, but yeah. I, I would be shocked if, because it's it's so impactful upon life on that island it's by true. closing down yeah. the the okay. I mean it's just it's just it's too big and you know I, I'm sure they would love to. I mean I have no doubt that WTC and and Taiwanda, the new parent company, would love to do that. And and with the new parent company, this new Chinese company that owns them, you know they'll never move Kona and from Kona, and they'll never change the fact that it's a world championship. But they may they may try and create larger events that might have some appeal they're gonna to have to do something about the qualifying system though at some point i mean i if they ever went to a like a point system like the, that like the awa that would be the point where i say sayonara i'm never doing yeah. this again because i have interest in that system and, and it would be so difficult for age groupers to do multiple ironman races to qualify um but they're gonna to need to they're going to need to figure out a way to, to, to make qualif- to change the system around because it's, it's a little catch-as-catch-can right now, and I think the growth has, has gotten ahead of them, and I, I'm not sure they know what to do. Whether it means having one or two races in the U.S. during the course of the year that are qualifiers and then have the other races not be, so because they do have such a large amount of people that are just participating for finishing, you know, maybe, maybe that's a way to, to sort of really focus Just, just kind of like better. what they're doing with the pro fields, right? Yeah. Right, uh, yeah. maybe maybe that 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 could be an answer, um, and because I mean, look, the the by by limiting the pro fields to certain races and increasing the potential prize purse of those races, you know, has it adversely affected the races that don't have pros? Well, no, there's there's still there still have tons of people going to them. So how many people who are at Ironman Arizona are are seriously there to try and get a Kona slot? We're talking maybe five percent, ten percent, you know, of the field, maybe eight of a percent so you could those people will travel to go get to go race at a champ at a, at a regional race that has slots has a lot of them you know maybe 10 in, in an age group or something maybe even 15 i mean whatever the number right. is but you know they would be willing if they're, if they're that good and they're that motivated and they're willing to spend the money to go to hawaii chances are that you know i would go to court lane if that was the event up in idaho and give it a shot if that's what i really wanted to do and then you have then you have some really great competitive fun races, so that's, that could be an option. I really like that idea. Yeah, yeah, that's so. interesting. I, I never thought of that. Uh, that's uh, that's a good idea. We'll have to get you on the board with uh, WTC, bro. Oh, I, I, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure I, I, I think I read this on Slow Twitch, so I'm sure they already talked about. It. Somebody suggested it there. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, I think we've been going almost over an hour here, so uh, I feel like we could definitely keep going for a couple more hours. But, um, man, uh, you know, it was an honor to have you on the show, Brian. Uh, hopefully we can do it again soon. Um, but uh, we really uh, appreciate your time here, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I here. certainly appreciate that. I, I know it's, it's, it, I really enjoy talking to you guys, and uh, it, is, it, it makes it actually funny, you know, 
after talking about it for an hour, now I'm like, oh, maybe I do kind of miss Iron Man a little bit. Because you guys, <laughs> watching, watching, especially like watching, watching Elliot and watching him do those long rides and that long work. And even though, like I said, the work never was never my problem. I mean, I, I like the work and, you know, I don't like the time sometimes, but the work in and of itself to, to accomplish that is really great and it's fun to watch. And um, But I appreciate you guys having me on and giving me a chance to, to ramble on and, uh, um, and, I, and I think it's great, by the way, what you guys are doing. I mean, I think that there's a lot of triathlon content out there in podcasts, but not a lot that just are really specifically, hey, let's just talk to, let's just talk about what it's like to be an age grouper and right. let everyone sort of, get, sort of, you know, hear a little bit about everyone's experiences. Because, like I said, just like being on beginner triathlete, you, you learn from being exposed to different people's ideas and experiences, and uh, sometimes there's something you can take away from that, and that's that has value. Perfect. That's the exact goal. So glad to hear that uh, somebody's getting it at least. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. All right, cool. So uh, thanks very much, everybody, for listening. Uh, We will uh, get another episode out to you soon. I'm not sure we got anybody planned for the next one here, but uh, we'll get rolling on it. So train well, uh, be good here, and we'll talk to everybody soon. All right, cool. Cut it there.